me be clear. There will be no Belgraves in today's story, or tomorrow's, or the next's. There will be no more Belgraves at all. Uh, relevant, of course, because Belgravia is the setting for the Princess Switch, which is the movie that we watched oh for this episode. Of- A plus, Julie. <laughs> A plus, very choice quote, although I don't know uh-huh. what it's So it's from episode 11 of Winter and Hyron, The Importance of Names, also known as the Balian Wife Has Saved the Life of Chancellor Gilbert Lutz Six Times speech, in which the Belgraves play the, the antagonists. Okay. Uh, six times they say, today may be the seventh. So welcome to I'll Be Pod for Castmas. I'm Juliet. I'm Catherine. And this is a spontaneous opening as the one thing we have as an advantage over Stacey DeNovo, who otherwise has kind of a perfect life, is uh, we can be spontaneous like Harry Bright. Yeah, so we're talking about Lady Margaret's Secret. <laughs> yes, Lady Margaret's Secret, which is she has a lookalike <laughs> who is a baker, and she longs for a a uh, a glimpse of normalcy, which sure is a plot. Uh, I appreciate when instead of a plot happening to characters, a character is like, no, no, don't worry. I have a plot in mind. Yes, character driving her own action. She has a goal. She knows what she wants. She will stop at nothing to get it. She is an excellent protagonist. <laughs> I I also well, really appreciate... <laughs> oh, well, okay. Truthfully, I would say Stacey DeNovo is in some ways like the real protagonist because she's the one who we start with. She's sort of the... Like, the the viewer kind of sees her as our stand-in. Like, she's the one who all of, like, we enter the world with her. I would argue she's probably the protagonist. I can't remember who makes the final choice. I think it's Stacy. I think right. the yeah. the journey uh, we're going on is Stacy's. Absolutely, because we Margaret's start with Stacy, and also Margaret, like, is like, no, I'm I'm happy committing. Uh, like, like, like that. Whereas Stacy's like, no, even though I love you, that doesn't change what needs to happen. She's the one who has to be won over uh, in the end. Right. She she goes on the journey of not being spontaneous mm-hmm. to learning how to just go with the flow and enjoy Christmas. <laughs> so a question I have for you is, are those two different characters? or like for the question of who is the protagonist not just like oh there's more than one protagonist but like no what if they are the same like not just because they are played by the same like actress which is certainly true uh but they are played as though they are the same person in a lot of ways because they both Stacy and Margaret go by both Stacy and Margaret. And while they want different boys, they fundamentally want the same thing. Mm. 
Yeah, and they kind of have the same goal. Like, if one of them fails, they both fail. Right. At, at no point are they in conflict with one another in a way that would qualify them as two different characters. <laughs> it's really similar to another movie where one person plays two people, The Parent Trap. Okay. Where... Other than a couple, like, minor, like, no, this is a bad idea, we shouldn't do this, they're pretty much in in it to win it. Like, they have the same goal, pretty interchangeable. Wait, though. Okay, I do take exception to this, which okay. is um, uh, at least the Lindsay Lohan parent trap, which I have not seen in over 20 years. One uh, has an accent, one does not. It's a very similar movie. Right, except aren't they total brats to one another for their like whole like there there is a resistance of the call in that they're just like yeah. bullies towards one another. That's literally just act one though, and then yeah, yeah, that's just and then once the turning point, like the what's basically the inciting incident of them realizing they're twins, kicks off, and the the journey of the movie really begins. Structurally, they're pretty much the same. Right, but the thing that I am I am trying to suggest here is that the thing that differentiates a character from another character is the existence of some kind of conflict or tension. Mm-hmm. And characters who don't have a conflict or tension and share the same like space and goals are therefore the same character. Except for... There's an important detail I think you're forgetting, which is that Stacy DeNovo is a really good baker. And I don't think we have enough evidence to say whether or not Margaret is a very good baker. Yes, we do. Is she a very good baker? I can't remember. No, she's an extraordinarily bad cook. She can't even oh, make pancakes. There we go. Conflict. That's right. She burns the toast. So there, we have a we have a mismatch of like these must be different people because one can bake and one cannot. I I recognize that there is a like a difference enough there to um, disclaim a distinction, but. I would say that that's not a tension or a conflict because at no point does <laughs> does there need to be like something if Margaret had to compete in the baking contest and then switch out at the last moment that would be one <laughs> thing but that doesn't happen I don't think a story needs conflict like two characters need a conflict for there to be a potential narrative there. I feel like conflict is such a, I mean, this goes against everything I was taught in grad school, but something I've been trying to like unlearn in myself and reimagine is ways of understanding story that doesn't revolve around conflict or hierarchies or the idea that like one character wins, one loses. And the thing that I would suggest is that yes, on everything you just said, but that fundamentally the thing that distinguishes characters from one another is conflict or tension. I would say it's choices, Mm -hmm. like the choices they make. So I think the fact that Margaret makes the choice for the switch and Stacy is resistant to it at first, that's enough to differentiate them. Interesting. Interesting. See, I, I kept thinking that you're going to ask me what conflict there is between Mrs. Donatelli and, and the, the Stacy-Margaret combo. And the answer to that is hairspray. 
Oh, oh, okay. I forgot about the Mrs. Donatelli character. I did not know that was her name. I'm glad you did, though. Right. And She's so an interesting the, one. The, the Stacy Margaret character and Kevin have the tension at the very beginning of the film when Kevin's like, hey, we got into this incredible baking competition. And Stacy says, no. <laughs> that's tension it doesn't actually have to be conflict that drives anything okay. but it is tension that distinguishes them as different people well what's the tension between stacy and kevin's daughter olivia then what like what differentiates them as different people so that's an excellent question which <laughs> one answer there is the fear of olivia finding out she finds out really quickly, though. She does find out really quickly. Uh, the other she's very chill that, with it. Uh, Olivia is a child and therefore doesn't count in this, like, <laughs> uh, Aristotelian, like, arrangement of the spheres. <laughs> Ouch. That's really, that cuts deep because Olivia is the motivation behind Stacey DeNovo going through with this. The only reason she agrees to switch places with royalty is because it will help out Olivia. Olivia wants to go to that expensive, fancy ballet summer camp. And the only way she can do it is if Stacey swaps places with royalty, which is, I think, really interesting because it plays into the, the inherent class difference between the two. And this idea that the the baker, the lower class of the two, is motivated solely by what will help other people, which makes her kind of the classic, like, Hallmark heroine, the, like, very selfless woman who will put aside any, like, we root for her because she doesn't put herself first. She puts the, the child in her life before her. Um, but it, but it was interesting that uh, Margaret is driven by this motivation to see how the normal people live or the the lower class, the the people that she's going to be ruling over. And then Stacy is not driven by a desire to see what it's like to be royal or to experience this like upper class living. She's just driven by the desire to help out her best friend's daughter. Which, in a way, we could look at. We could incorporate both those things as saying they're about wanting to like understand one's relationship and provide for one's relationship provide for those who one has like an advantageous power relationship oh, over that's a generous way of saying Margaret. uh relating olivia to stacy and kevin mm -hmm. the way margaret towards the common people and especially the the orphans and um houseless families of I'm going to keep having trouble saying it, Belgravia. That's a very generous reading of Margaret. I kind of had the feeling she was just like, I'm bored. I want to do something wild and like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rub shoulders with the rubble. Like that was sort of my feeling of her. It's very fair, but like, I, I, Julia, am always talking about the life-doom uh, axis of understanding characters. And, What's the life-doom um, So doom is about your relationship. This is like literary aspect theory that, that we've talked about a little bit in the yeah. past. Doom as an aspect is specifically about your relationship to those who have power over you, um, which can be 
gods, kings, parents, eldritch <laughs> figures, teachers, like unidirectional power relationships mm. where you are at like the loss of the differential and your relationship towards those figures and towards like that relationship. Life, on the other hand, as like a literary aspect, is about your relationship to those you have power or potential power mm -hmm. over. Even if you're not in the act of exercising that power, how you like care about people who you are stronger than, richer than, have political power over, or just like by the structures of the world have have power over and caring about that relationship um is is kind of part of that that life aspect that's super interesting so i think my reading of margaret was more on the doom side where she feels overpowered by her obligations that are mm -hmm. a result of her birth she like born royal has to marry royalty she feels like she has no other choice like she, she says she's marrying out of duty and the switch is an opportunity to escape that and try to like see what other forms of living there could be mm -hmm. and i i think an honest assessment of this movie as a whole is not one that there's very there's like small like life doom elements mm -hmm. but it's mostly a um either you call it a mind heart story which is about multiple versions of the self and different selves you could have been and mm. like the relationship to the true self and everything but i would really cast this despite the fact that there are two people who look alike and are deciding which lives they want to live as a breath blood story which is breath being about freedom and escaping from one's like position in in the world escaping from attachments in blood which is about embracing or interrogating one's attachments to things but especially to other people and not people in the sense of power structures but people in the sense of peers as all people are peers to one another okay so how would you compare this with lady Audley's secrets i really didn't expect that we would i thought we i was gonna uh, lead us on a different oh segue but we ended up here instead oh which is very fun <laughs> no 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 i i'm happy we happy for this to be organic any path we'll, that makes sense we'll we'll, we'll, we'll wrap okay. back around it's interesting because so lady oddly's secret i hate the summary that's on wikipedia for this from 1980 uh, elaine showalter braddon's bigamous heroine deserts her child pushes husband number one down a well thinks about poisoning husband number two and sets fire to a hotel where her other male acquaintances are residing like what a miserable recounting of the events of the story I mean, I hear that. I'm just like, oh, God, that captures like what a badass this woman is. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I I think I would also pit this as a breath blood story that has like minor life doom elements because it is a story in which some people are rich and some people are not. And that is a like particularly relevant thing. But really thinking about Lucy Graham is yes. that her original yeah, name? Yeah. Really thinking about Lucy Graham I uh, being connected to someone, having this attachment made of her uh, to George Talboys, and then wanting to escape from this because her husband has just 
disappeared, has left with basically no like connection or, you know, trace. Yes, he is hypothetically doing this with her in mind, but like being out of fortune. He's not really communicating what's going on. He is escaping. He's abandoning his attachments. And so she is left with an attachment in the form of her son and her hypothetical marriage. And so what she does is she escapes from those attachments and finds a positive new attachment in the form of marrying Lord Audley and becoming Lady Audley. I, and then she is stuck in a position where it is her attachments to her former life and her attachments to the people around her that like draw her into doing these negative things. Because if George Talboys had never come back from Australia, she never would have said, mm, I need to go hire assassins <laughs> and send them to Australia to kill my first husband. She's not doing this out of like some villainy or malice. She's trying to maintain the attachments she has with the awareness of. The fact that she's going to need to abandon one of those attachments. Either her first husband or her second husband. I have a hard time seeing it in terms of attachment. I think perhaps because George Talboys sucks so much. And you never really get the sense <laughs> that like they had a meaningful relationship. I, I see it so much uh -huh. more in terms of Doom. The Doom being like this capitalistic patriarchy that forces her to marry in order to survive and she does whatever she can to sort of escape this doom or like to reclaim whatever power she can amidst this system where i mean her attachment quote unquote with robert oddly is very much like a very practical business proposition where He's like, you're hot. I want to marry you. And she's like, I'm not in love with you. We're marrying for money. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, that's cool. There's this tacit understanding that it's not a romantic attachment by any means. It's an attachment of necessity, which, again, comes from the escaping the doom of if she doesn't marry him, she has very few other options. And she certainly will struggle to have the means of living a life that she wants, which involves material comfort and like bossing around Phoebe Marks. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to think about then also Lucy Graham, Helen Talboy's Lady Audley in her relationship to Phoebe Marks, mm -hmm. who is her uh, gentleman's gentleman. Uh, who who is her uh, lady in waiting? Who no. looks just like her, but is poor and a servant, and is like directly under the power of Lady Audley. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So it sounds like you're drawing a comparison between Phoebe Marks and Stacey DeNovo, whereas I was thinking of it more as I see a parallel between Phoebe Marks and the. I, I cannot remember her name in the movie. The Mrs. Mrs. Donatelli. Donatelli, who like literally will do anything for mm -hmm. uh, Lady Margaret in a way that feels kind of similar to Phoebe's just like complete commitment to whatever Lady Audley wants mm -hmm. or needs. Well, 
Stacy DeNovo is like, okay, I'm willing to do this thing for you for particularly like mercantile purpose, right? For a selfless purpose. It's for yes, a mercantile. Yes, a selfless but yes. mercantile Correct. purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And then Phoebe also wants money. But... For a relatively selfless yeah. <laughs> for she wants money for running this uh, public house that is, like, just worse for her than, you know, before she had been given this position and in, in, in money. She was much happier uh, being hardworking before rather than trading for this other She's life. She's also married to an asshole. So, again, it's a woman mm-hmm. who, fleeing the doom of capitalist patriarchy... Kind of doing whatever she can to survive amidst like horrible men and <laughs> this reliance on capital. So I think it might be time to talk about Paul. I was really hoping you would say the old man. <laughs> <laughs> See, the old man was part of my original segue because it was going to be okay. If you think that there's a real difference between Stacey DeNovo and Margaret, even though their only difference is the accent, do you think uh, Robin Sons, who is credited as kindly man, is multiple different characters just because he has different accents and places that he lives in the world? Juliet, this might blow your mind. I think Uh he is Santa Claus. Uh, uh, yes. It, the, my notes say the old man is magic. Yes. Or Santa? Yes. <laughs> he, I think he, like, the only way he subverts the trope is by not explicitly being Santa. And, like, we don't see him at the end with a hat and a wink. But he's Santa. We know. <laughs> the problem with this is we do meet Santa Claus in the movie. No, that, that was not the real Santa. <gasps> That wasn't the real Santa? Was he magic? Was he, like, randomly getting into people's business, telling them that they make a cute couple and should consider hooking up? No. Therefore, Mm. not Santa. Similarly, do you think Lady Audley and Helen Tallboys are two different characters? Um... They have different names and different accents, but would probably be played by the same actress in... A movie? Right, but one is the performance. Okay. And, I mean, yeah, they're the same person, but one is, like, Helen Talboy's being like, okay, now I need to play this part of Lady Audley. That makes sense. And the goal is to become her completely, and that becomes impossible when George shows up, the the husband who could unravel everything by revealing her true identity, by showing, yes, this is just a performance, you're not really this person you claim to be you're actually married to me i think this movie is better for not having paul show up in belgravia like on christmas day <laughs> but why did we talk about that's such a minor character i think it's really that george talboys from the book means i'm on the lookout for an ex who will ruin your whole lookalike thing and also when I saw this for the first time, I really thought Paul and Edward were played by the same actor. Are they? 
Ooh, interesting. <laughs> they're not. They're 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 different actors, but they have the same kind of general vibes, the same types of proportions that you're like, okay, Stacey. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a fairy tale because Stacy goes from the the man who spurred her to his lookalike who's way richer and more powerful. Uh-huh. The ultimate uh-huh. like romantic fantasy. It was good that I was dumped because <laughs> uh, kind of an Elle Woods situation in a lot of ways, right? How so? Like this guy I thought I was going to spend my life with oh, broke yes, up with yes. me. And yeah, you know. Yes. And now I'm a lawyer mm-hmm. or a princess. The girl that he's dating now and taking to meet his parents, she seems like a lawyer type. Mm. Again, I, I paid a lot of attention to the beginning of this movie. I took a lot of notes. I appreciate that almost all of Olivia's lines are done in ADR, which, like, I mentioned, but genuinely, like, I believe that's A-OK and, like, probably the right choice for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, like, recorded in studio and then dubbed over. If you <laughs> if you watch a lot of the first act of Mamma Mia is done <laughs> this way, it's a fun, fun little thing if you notice it. I did not notice in either Mamma Mia or this movie. I was just so swept away by how pretty Vanessa Hudgens is and mm-hmm. the delightful absurdities of the script. My notes here, and I agree with them, say this movie is hilarious and well made. And I think that's really true. Like, even when there's like, oh, come on, I roll moments normally, you want to delight in the fantasy. And, like, the fantasy is delightful. Yeah, I I literally wrote, imagine falling in love with your BFF's twin. Just sort of the scenarios that this movie presents are so absurd. Like, these two people have known each other forever, and they're best friends. And they have this, like, almost sibling relationship. And then he falls in love with somebody who looks exactly like her in the course of a day. Because this new person is slightly more spontaneous. The, like, two days, I'm sorry. Just the logic of it is so silly. But I agree. You just want to delight in it and be like, yeah, this is this is fulfilling the niche of, like, bad Christmas movie in the best possible way. A movie that this made me think a lot about, which I know I've seen because we actually saw it together in what? person once upon a time. We saw movies in person together? Is A Simple Favor. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Uh, a simple favor but for princesses is what's in my notes here <laughs> where you're just this hard-working person who's like movie star pretty and good at cooking and this great member of this unorthodox family so you don't have like a husband figure or anything <laughs> and this rich and powerful woman comes up to you and is like hey, I want you to uh, you know, just do this like simple favor for me and kind of date my husband. Like, <laughs> I love that. I forgot about that movie, but that is a really great comparison. A uh, great thing about that movie is like, if you haven't seen it, uh, go, go see it. I think it's pretty good. And like, honestly, that's not even a spoiler. Uh, the I, so another fun. movie that very briefly this reminded me of, which I don't think you ever saw, but I think you'll understand the comparison, would be Us. Right, which I do know the plot of because you recounted it to us back in our living room many years ago. There's one moment in particular where, so in Us, there's the 
the swap, the lookalikes, the doppelgangers, who's who, and the child seems to be the one who can discern that something's not quite right with the adult figure in their in the life. So the end of us has this moment of the child being like, something's weird here. I don't think you're really my mother or who I think you are. And in that same way, the moment when Olivia comes down for breakfast and meets Margaret pretending to be Stacy and just kind of knows that something's off and that this woman isn't the right woman that just felt so scary and ominous and in my notes I wrote wow this feels like a horror story omg but of course it's not it's a very delightful romantic fluffy <laughs> comedy and yet there's something like really weird and disturbing about the premise of deluding the people who are closest to you in your life by like swapping out with a lookalike who you did not know existed until you just randomly bumped into them. I really like body swaps mm. as a genre. Uh, I I think they're a really interesting and compelling thing, either as a like brief aside, typically for, for comedy, but occasionally for drama in a like longer serial work, or as the like, main you know linchpin for a a mm -hmm. plot generally speaking uh in this of course is just a role swap yeah. rather than a body swap but to me the idea of okay i need to pretend to be another person to many people in my life whether that's like friends and loved ones or you know potential employers or potential like in-laws that sort of thing is like that's that's just real life baby like that's mm. that's uh that's that's just reality mm. and well so okay another way of differentiating margaret and stacy is they're both in the same situation but Stacy seems really intent on staying as true to Margaret as she possibly can because she really doesn't want to like fuck this up. Whereas Margaret as Stacy doesn't seem to care as much. Like she blows her cover immediately to Olivia. Like Olivia figures it out right away. And then she just starts like becoming very interested in Kevin and not having any problem, like, flirting, going on the cute, no-ball fight, flirtatious route, which is something mm -hmm. Stacy would never do, and is very... Yeah. The schedule is a big, like, on-stage yes. manifestation of it. Like, you can't, you can't exactly. untear that schedule. So, like, she feels so much more self-centered, self-driven, where even as Stacy, she is going to be Margaret. Whereas a lot of the tension for Stacy is I need to be Margaret. I need to follow the plan. Like we're supposed to go horseback riding. I can't do this. I'm going to do it anyway, because that's like what Margaret would do. That's the plan. I have to like fake it to these royalty 
there's kind of an internal tension in each of those characters or in both of this character. Well, uh, no, that's what say. I'm saying is I think that's the thing, the tension, that's the thing that differentiates them. I think they are different characters. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. I was going to say though, that the Duchess, that, that Margaret is uptight because of her upbringing, but also spontaneous. <laughs> Meanwhile, Stacy is like, casual but methodical you know you might expect the duchess margaret to be the one who's like we must adhere to the schedule and like you know has has never experienced spontaneity before or like pretending to be a thing instead it's the commoner baker still a small business owner so probably quite wealthy but nonetheless it's still stacy who's the like Yes, I'm cool and chill and casual and happy jumping into another person's like role with no preparation or plan. But I'm also the one who's like sticking to a plan and schedule, but I'm also the one who's willing to play Twister in a public toy store. Mm. And all of those different tensions within those things, like hey, which, which character is which on each of these like miniature spectrums or, or axes is all kind of in service of the plot. Because the plot wants these like set pieces to happen, and therefore whatever characteristic the Vanessa Hudgens character needs to exhibit in either form can be that. Stacy as Margaret can either lie demurely and play the part, or speak her mind with no consistency uh, between those things. Because what's needed is not consistency. What's needed is arriving at each of these set pieces in a context that doesn't like break your immersion. It almost sounds like you're saying the plot is contrived (laughs) (laughs) and that the character choices are driven by plot necessity rather than like a genuine exploration of complex characterization. And I would agree with you on that ground. <laughs> There's a, a, a saying in, in some fanfic communities where they talk about hitting the stations of the canon in a way that's very similar to, of course, the, the stations of the cross in, you know, like a Catholic or, or Protestant sometimes theatrical performance of the events surrounding the crucifixion. <laughs> of course, this is a Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the idea of hitting the like stations of the christmas movie yeah where we we get the like the snowball fight we get the contest of some sort we get the The christmas hockey yeah (laughs) the like beautiful little lodge and in so many of these different moments of the toy store with like the little gun orphans uh (laughs) absolutely the orphans (laughs) Re- reading a book, going to a dance where you're dancing mistletoe, mistletoe multiple times, general dog's bodies around you, like performing the comedy so that you can be the pretty one. Uh- <laughs> and and the specifically Netflix uh, station of characters watching Netflix within. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but I love it. And Personal favorite. I absolutely believe it's true. They watch A Christmas Prince, but this happens in a lot of movies like this, where like Netflix will be on in the background, usually another Netflix Christmas movie. How do we know that we are not in a Netflix movie right now, in which we watched The Princess Switch, and our Netflix movie is called, mm. like, The Christmas Podcast? <gasps> oh, I wish. 
I think we have to look, keep an eye out for somebody who looks a lot like Santa Claus. <laughs> and then we'll know. Uh, trying to think. I don't think I look much like Santa Claus. I don't I don't think you look like much like Santa Claus either. No. Yeah. Maybe Craig does or Giark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, recording for us. Santa Craig, record another <laughs> podcast for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's a it's a possibility. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did write and I know the joy of knowing dreams will come true for good people, which I think is another like thematic <laughs> station of just yeah, if you're a good person and you're a baker and you do nice things for eight-year-olds, you will marry a prince. That's a comforting narrative to be told, especially at Christmas. Do you like ghosts? What about monsters or haunted houses? Evil furniture stores? Cannibalism? Doppelgangers? Childhood mysteries that involve a strange cult or a scary clown? If you answered yes to any of the above, you may be eligible to become a patron at the Dead Letter Society's Library of Terrors. Dead Letter Society is a book club podcast about horror, mysteries, thrillers, and all genre of things that go bump in the night. Every episode, me, Marn, and my wife Alyssa pick a book from our Library of Terrors to read, then come together to discuss it live on air. Which characters do we get too attached to? What plot twist shocked us? Which scares fell flat and which had us jumping out of our seats in anxiety? Which character deaths made us lie down on the floor in anguish? You'll just have to join us here in the Library of Terrors to find out. Dead Letter Society is a proud part of the Moonshot Network. You can find us on Twitter at Dead Letter Pod, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon at the next meeting of the Society. Who in this movie do you relate to the most? Ooh. Oh, this is some soul searching. Um, Who in Lady Oddly's Secret do you relate to the most? Oh, God. More soul searching. <laughs> Who am I supposed to relate to the most as, like, the ideal viewer? Or who do I personally relate to the most? I think the latter. I, I think I'd like to bring yeah. ourselves into the cast a little bit. I don't have an answer off the top of my head. Do you? I was about to say Georgie Talboy because I'm constantly getting sick eating cakes. <laughs> the, I don't know. I was kind of thinking Clara Talboy, who just like that. That, that was actually going to be my first answer, but then I. But yeah, no. Please, please tell me more about Clara Talboy. Well, her main defining feature is that she looks just like George and marries Robert, who. Um, are you saying you're interested in being a beard no no that's just the best way i can think of describing her role in this book i guess the i relate to her in a sense of she's this woman and like something horrible has happened and her dad is sort of just like forget about it like george is dead to me anyway and that feeling of just like witnessing the horrors of the world and feeling like you're trapped and can't address them but it's a pandemic you know we might cut this part out uh but (laughs) who in the princess switch would you say you you relate to of the the characters probably olivia because she likes to dance 
and she's just like this kid who wants to run around and explore this new country. And I think the the way that she just like really wants her dad to be happy and like that's her Christmas wish is a a new mother is very I, I think the like her really hardcore shipping her dad and this like aunt figure in her life is is very cute. Yeah. I can relate to the just like wanting wonderful people in my life to find happiness together. Kevin, that's so sweet. Are you gonna cut that? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> cut the other stuff and keep keep this. For me, I think uh, I relate to Margaret much more than Stacy, if they are Ooh. distinct. Because Stacy says, "If the Mouse King shows up, I'm out of here," and like I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> Because I'm married to the Mice King. Anyways. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, of the two, I would say I'm more like Stacy, actually, because she says a goal without a plan is just a wish. And I, too, make goals in my life. Or rather, plans. I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad that if they are distinct characters, and if we are distinct people, we are reflecting the two sides of the coin on this castness pod that makes sense that makes sense i uh, were you surprised at all that the hairspray was a red hair <gasps> thing can you elaborate on that so right after they've switched but before margaret has left in stacy's body mm-hmm. after stacy in margaret's body has already gotten her hair cut um <laughs> Mrs. Donatelli is like, oh, and like, Stacey's like, no, I'm sorry, I really don't do hairspray. And like, Mrs. Donatelli is like, oh, but you will learn how important hairspray is. Like, in this way that was really like, setting it up to be important at some point later on that either her hair wasn't going to be in the right thing mm. or that Mrs. Donatelli having hairspray like in her bag was going to be relevant for something like <laughs> and it never came up again yeah see it did not leave as deep of impression on me as it did on you I did not read that moment as a a setup for anything <laughs> But it's hairspray, and Mrs. Donatelli has red hair, which I think means... It's a red herring. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's really good. I'm glad you did that bit, Juliet. I also appreciate that the height gap between Edward and Stacey as Margaret, like, changes depending on whether or not they're going to kiss in a given scene. I miss (laughs) that, too. I need to watch this again with a more astute eye. Like... You can see, oh, they're closer in height here. I I think this means they're about to kiss in this scene. Mm, wow. This movie has so much to offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am so excited. I know we have to wait a whole year, but I'm so excited to see the second one. Okay, the third one, I am very excited for you to see that one because I honestly can't remember much of the second, but if you want to talk about are these characters the same character? What's the tension that differentiates them? (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. the third movie might be a little more satisfying in terms of like, oh yes, these are 
different, there's more of a tension. Or maybe not. It'll be interesting to see. <laughs> the, the thing I would say is for the uh, listener at home, a normal reading of this book and this movie would tell you that, of course, Lucy Graham, Lady Audley, and uh, Helen Tallboys are all the same person. And, of course, Stacey DeNovo and the Duchess Margaret are different people. And I just think it's really interesting to, like, interrogate how, like, one kind of implies the negation of the other or vice versa. Like... We're looking at either the inverse or the converse of the accepted fact, but probably not the straightforward or the contrapositive. Hmm. That's my my suggestion. I was really surprised at the ending. Of which one? <laughs> both. To be <laughs> honest, both. The twists in the third act of Lady Audley's Secret really surprised me. Uh, I put the book down near the climax mm -hmm. thinking I knew what was going to happen mm. and then when we realized that it would be perfectly relevant for this movie I went and finished the book mm -hmm. and I was astonished at some of the like twists mm. and at how you can kind of like see how the ending of the book in a kind of um Little Women 2019 sort of way might not be the ending of the story like, the, the story ends differently than the way it was written down. What do you mean by that? In the sense of the Clara Talboys, George Talboys, Robert Audley ending relationship, in mm -hmm. that Lady Audley needing to be off in some, someplace in continental Europe under yet another different name. I think now her fifth different name total, there to spend the rest of her life basically under lock and key. Mm. Both of these things seem like, okay, you need to have bad characters and badly and good characters and goodly in like a good Christian way. Mm -hmm. You can do the sensation, but you do need to have a civilized ending. Right. Even if that's not like where the events in the characters seem to like lead the story towards. Yeah, there has to be the heterosexual coupling and the comeuppance of the villain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. and the idea that the movie takes us so far through these very few days and then at the end is like a year later like a year has passed and we're that's what not giving you a lot of context that is one of my favorite <laughs> marriage proposals probably in any movie is we met two days ago it would be ridiculous to propose now but a year from now will you marry me if we still like each other which is fantastic for like showing and promoting like positive you know <laughs> expectations as silly and contrived as the events of this story are the thing that we know about real life is that people do take actions in real life carrying over from silly and contrived things that they are like modeling their life after yes but maybe i just don't like prince edward oh yeah he's very boring <laughs> and maybe i wanted more like intrigue near the end because like it doesn't seem like they're hiding it from anyone oh my gosh if you want right? intrigue just wait for princess switch three 
<laughs> I'm, I'm excited version. for it. <laughs> but like, this story to me would make so much more sense if they're like, okay, here's who we're in love with and here's who we're marrying. And like nine months out of the year, we'll be with the person that we like. And then three months out of the year, we will like swap to make sure that like appearances are kept up. And that's going to be our life until something disturbs this weird, like thing that we're <laughs> setting up with our Instead, lives. Instead, it's okay. We'll just live normal lives until there's a need for a sequel. And then there will be a disturbance that causes another need for a switch. Like wasn't, wasn't this a political marriage? Isn't this important for the Duchess's <sighs> small country and Belgravia but, but, for political reasons? But the prince's <laughs> parents recognize that Stacey DeNovo has the heart of a princess and that her, their son loves her. And that is more important than political yes, reasons. A princess is not a matter of heart. A princess is a matter of land oh right? no you you have not read francis hutchinburn it's a little princess clearly anybody can be uh, a princess if you believe hard enough and have enough money What a movie. Kevin is so much more attractive than Edward. Oh my god, Like, I realize yes. it's not a competition, but, like, oh my god. You're correct, god. it's not a competition. He is much hotter. <laughs> Edward, to me, is the, like, oh, maybe I'm not attracted to, like, dudes? And then Kevin, to me, is like, oh, okay, no, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to buy the, like... Stacy DeNovo being like, what? Kevin, you think he's cute? <laughs> Hello? We have this natural chemistry and, like, really, like, successful, like, working relationship. Uh, I'm engaging in the act of co-parenting <laughs> already. <laughs> Who could but say? I've never seen him with the shirt off and I don't want to. Which, fair you know like, like i can respect, realistically fair i respect that but the like but i also haven't noticed that he's very easy in the eyes seems like a stretch right like even if you're not attracted to someone you can recognize like oh yes symmetrical face do you think stacy should have mentioned this when they were setting up the switch like, I don't get why they... when they're learning about family trees and everything, should it be like, also, the guy I'm here with is, like, a hunk? I uh, don't fall for him. I wasn't quite on board with them just not telling Kevin, because <laughs> I don't see what difference. <laughs> you think we should tell people things? I, I guess... What was a bit disheartening is the thought that you could be, like, friends for years with somebody and business partners and co-parents and that person will not notice if you are suddenly a different person, even though their eight-year-old child immediately will. That doesn't really put Kevin in the brightest of lights. So... The, the exception I would take to this yeah. is if I started acting differently, but looked the same and was like, hey, 
I'm Juliet. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Um, oh, you're I right. Remember, we're good friends. <laughs> like, you, you would probably not think, hmm, I bet Juliet <laughs> met a, a princess who looks like her you know what? and wanted to experience normal life. That is incredibly <laughs> fair. You're right. I feel like the, like what we expect in our lives, we just sort of see so often mm -hmm. you, you, no you're right i guess it's not that much of a stretch I, I guess the fact that she rips up the schedule and he's not concerned though he's like turned on not <laughs> wait this is very out of character is something wrong with my friend um is a little mm -hmm. strange so what she's doing there is she's becoming less of a distinct character from him by uh, decreasing the conflict or tension between mm. uh, the two of them, so that their uh, their their personhoods are becoming more, um, if not merged, at least like closer. Well, they are fated to be mated. So <laughs> is that a is that another little princess saying? It's actually a saying that my musical theater professor used all the time. Like, oh, they're singing the same song. You know, they're fated to be mated. But just by the, the mechanisms of the plot, like, of course, these two are, are fated to be mated. Olivia is the hinge, which is great. The person who knows both, um, I think Olivia and Mrs. Donatelli both mm. work really well as, as hinge characters. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of... As as much as like yes, like realistically, Kevin being let in on this would not ruin anything except for the contrivance of the plot. I I I do appreciate how good Liv works as a as a hinge, and she's just a delightful yeah. character, great actress, you know, good little kid character. Heads up, I'm pretty sure they switched the casting of her in later movies, and I was very thrown off. So that is a shame, but also happens a lot. With I know children because children the the stuff with the piano like ugh, oh my god <laughs> makes, made me cringe so much but then it like it was okay it i kind of okay. loved that i loved that he obviously is the one playing more than mm -hmm. four notes and everyone's like oh you are so good we're so glad you played for us i do appreciate that stacy margaret does a thing in that scene that i tend to do when I am playing a similar character that is a character who's playing another mm -hmm. character, which is grasp onto like information you've been given, but then use the fact that you are a human being capable of critical thinking to like extrapolate out from that. So she's given the chord, the, the mm. four notes to play for the bells, but she then like the is paying attention and is able to like do it, yeah, do it in the octave. Like, pay attention to the to the rhythm to, like, make it seem like she's doing more. Mm. And that, to me, was like, oh, right. She's both a strong businesswoman and, like, mm. a creative person to be able to run this bakery and have all this acclaim around her. She is goods. smart enough to be a princess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here I have down Princess Switch for Eat Ooh, the Rich. interesting. Which I think would be a really great I do have a note about mm -hmm. Princess Margaret being 
the more cunning of the two and how I appreciated that like the rich one is the devious one. That is, she is more cunning. She came up with this plot. Yeah. But she's also like less in charge. Part of her pitch on why they should marry the guy they like rather than the other one isn't just like we're in love, but like, oh, normal girls fall in love with normal boys and I like this normal boy. And Edward needs someone who can take charge, you know? Which was an interesting way of her, like, disclaiming herself as someone who would take charge. Which is to say, uh, it's called the Princess Switch, but Margaret is a bottom while Stacy is a top. This is July right now. Yes, it is. You'll be hearing us again in December. Love it. Wait, what's happening in December? Thanks for listening. I'm Juliet, and you can find me at Mousewife Games. I'm Catherine, and I hope you don't find me. <laughs> <laughs> I still love it. Such a great thing. Stay tuned after the outro for some cool ads from other podcasts on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Woo! But until next time... Happy Castmas to all, and to all a pod night. ASMR dreaming and wake up! What? We're back! Who's back? Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends, of course! Oh, never heard of it. I have. Who, Who are, are you? you? I'm Victoria. I'm joining Okashina Podcast as the third chair. Nani! Would everyone stop screaming? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends is a podcast in which two childhood besties, me, Sabrina, and you, Don, and you, Victoria, watch anime together and then discuss what we watched with restrained delight. That's three people. Mm, sounds boring. I'm going back to bed. You can't! You'll miss all the weird, wild, under-the-radar anime we cover. I never agreed to this. It's fun! Check us out on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Insert joke. This isn't a joke as much as like a fun observation. I love how much their accents like turn up when the two of them are in a scene together to really help you like understand which one is which. My notes just say schedule in quotation marks because I wanted to make sure we talk about how silly it is that they pronounce it schedule <laughs> adhering to a schedule is more than a gesture <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay you've done the list. appropriate gesture <laughs> I, I cannot fathom how to make your mouth make the word sounds for the way the upper class British people say gesture <laughs> Yes, it's one of Vanessa Hudgens' many incredible talents as a performer. And I'm glad we're picking things off by acknowledging that.